0: Hello there and good evening Welcome to Line by Line My name is Pastor Josh Hawkins And I needed to move my microphone Sorry about that Anyway, um, forgive me if my voice is a little ragged I've been sick for a few days And uh, truth is I am pre-recording this because I have no idea from hour to hour How much of a voice I'm going to have So uh, as, a, as of right now I have a little bit of a voice, so I'm going to use it and record this. Um, We are in the final chapter of James tonight. I doubt we'll make it all the way through, but who knows? And uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do next, so if you have any plans or ideas or thoughts, I would love to hear them. Um, You know, I usually pray about it a bit and then make a decision on what we're going to do next as of right now. I have no uh, no, no uh, uh, inkling. So anyway, let's go ahead and pray, and then we will dive into the scriptures. Beautiful Heavenly Father, I thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you that I'm feeling a little better, but Lord, I pray for your complete healing over me and my voice. But most of all, I pray that as I read this, that the the conviction of your spirit would be upon me and upon those who listen. Holy Spirit, deal with us. Turn us. Point us towards Christ. Teach us to love him more than anything else. And teach us to love each other, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's read it. James chapter 5, verse 1. Holman Christian Standard Bible. Come now, you rich people. Weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth is ruined and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your silver and gold are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You stored up treasure in the last days. Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who reaped your field cries out and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived luxuriously on the land and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous man. He does not resist you. Therefore, brothers, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, because the Lord is coming near. Brothers, do not complain about one another, so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome from the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Now, above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath. Your yes must be yes, and your no must be no, so that you won't fall under judgment. I think we'll stop there. I I don't think we'll get further than that. Okay. What is going on in, in this chapter? <laughs> I, I was reading this saying, wow, James, like this is a real shift of a voice, a real shift of tone uh, for James in this moment, where he goes from he goes from a very pastoral, very uh, <clears throat> you know um, helpful place. Pardon me, into this very prophetic kind of. Declamation, okay. What to declaim means to speak woe, you know, like Jesus did of the Pharisees. Woe to you! And James doesn't say those exact words, but, but that's where he's at. Um, he's he's speaking a prof, a prophetic critique of the wealthy. And there's lots of questions as to who exactly is James talking about in this passage. Is he speaking to wealthy Christians in the church? that this letter is sent to that's entirely possible is he speaking to the wealthy people of uh the the the, the place where you know in Jerusalem where this letter uh, would have likely had its largest readership also possible um it doesn't the truth is in this case it means the same thing James is Using a prophetic tone of voice, um, much like Jesus did, much like the Old Testament prophets did. We're not used to this. We don't have, you know, we hear these kinds of proclamations nowadays. And we just, you know, we think of the guy like going down the street with the bell, you know, the end is near. You know, we don't really respond very well to this kind of of prophetic proclamation, declamation. We have issues uh, with it, our um, and so when we read this, we might kind of push back on it, like, "What? I'm not sure what's happening here." Um, but in in this particular, but let's hear what James is saying here in this particular part of his book. He is pointing at the unreliability of earthly wealth, the unreliability of earthly temporal treasures. He is he is warning those who have who have chosen to put their hope in earthly things, things that are passing away. He's warning them that that will be a cause of great uh, of great mourning and uh, and and sorrow in the days to come. That that. that though it might seem the safe bet now, though it might seem like something that makes sense now, I'm investing in the things that are trustworthy, right? I'm giving my life and my time and my effort to things that, 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 that are going to pay off for me. Um, James is saying they aren't going to pay off for you. The, the wealth and the, the way you've gained your wealth are both going to turn on you and destroy you in the end? Uh, he says your wealth is ruined, your clothes are moth-eaten, your silver and gold are corroded. Their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Um, man, that's 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 wild, isn't it? I mean, you think about this. Um, I think about uh, well. Uh, any 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 survival situation where there are wealthy people that that like they're they're gathering up their possessions you know rather than trying to get away from you know what what's happening um i uh, think about like on the titanic you know people were trying to pay their way onto these boats and and the guys were like nope not going to happen i think about you know at, at any time where um all of the things that you've spent your life doing are all of a sudden shown to have been worthless. They don't, they aren't really going to save you in the end, and that's that's what James is trying to say. He's saying it to the wealthy everywhere, but especially within the church. Uh, you're trusting in the wrong things, and your trust in those things um, has caused you to make sinful and foolish decisions. So he says. He says, look, the pay you withheld from the workers who reaped your fields cries out, and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ear of the Lord of hosts. So he's saying, hey, uh, you thought that it would be a good idea. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just not going to pay my workers, um, and that way, you know, I'll have some more money. And so they have done something uh, immoral. They've done something sinful. Uh, in order to line their own pockets. And James is saying. You, you thought you were doing that. For your own good. But, but the Lord saw it. And the Lord has paid attention. To what's happening. And you will. You will regret. What you've done. <clears throat> Forgive me. You will regret what you've done you you will the day is coming when you will wish you had made a different choice now most of us hear this and we think i don't have any workers i don't have any fields i don't you know i don't um this this is for someone else right um i would say friends especially uh we live in the wealthiest nation on the planet even the poorest among us are the wealthiest poor in the world. Uh, and we don't recognize and we don't pay attention to that. And we, we become um, privileged. We become uh, accustomed to the level of, of, of wealth, etc. that we have. And we lose our gratitude for what God has given to us and we begin to put our trust in the things of this world in the things that are passing away but there is a new there is a new age that has come um the age of the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of God the thing the things that are the things that are valuable in the kingdom are Exactly the opposite of the things that are valuable in this world. And even if you don't have workers and you haven't, you know, you, can, you would say, I cannot be, I, I am not a rich person. That doesn't mean that you haven't put your hope in the same place that they have. And we need to hear these words of James and we need to ask the question, are my hopes... Have I built my life in such a way that I am trusting in the things of man, the ways of this world, the the, the the operations of the the empire of this world, or am I um or or am I investing in the things of the kingdom? Am I building my life? in the things that are eternal or am I building my life with things that are passing away? This whole passage reminds me so much of that place. Um, That place in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where it says, um, "...if anyone builds on the foundation of Christ with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment." Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So, I'm just thinking of that of this passage in 1 Corinthians from Paul, where he's talking about that there is a day that's coming when, when we will go before the Lord and, and judgment will take place. And we've talked about this on this, um, study before that. Yes, we, as Christians, we will be judged. And, um, uh, it's not like, you know, Paul here doesn't say that eternal damnation is, is on the, you know, is up for grabs. Like this isn't a, this isn't a heaven or hell judgment. This is a my life being put in the fire of God's holiness and the things that I did, which were in alignment with love, love of God and love of people, the things that I did, which were, which had right motives, motives that aligned with the kingdom. um, Those things will remain and they will be a reward for me. They will be a treasure. But the things that I did that are out of line, uh, with the kingdom of heaven that aren't built on the foundation which is christ I'm not that that aren't aligned with my trust in God's way and God's world um uh, those things will burn up they will disappear and i'll be left with nothing I will have spent my whole life investing in things that cannot help me that cannot uh, uh, that 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 cannot give me anything eternal, and so James is 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 absolutely he's doing us a favor here by calling us away from um, trusting in riches, and um, he's doing that by by this sharp prophetic critique of those who have stored up riches, of those who have ignored Jesus teaching, where he said, store up treasure in heaven, where these things can't happen. Remember, James is constantly teaching Jesus. Um, he's he's taking the teachings of Jesus and reworking them. And whereas Jesus did it in a kind of a positive way, like, hey, store up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot, cannot uh, destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Um, uh, James is doing it the other way saying saying you know you have uh, the wealth that you have obtained will fall apart right okay so but it's the same thing um, and and we see in this passage this pattern that starts with uh, with, starts with a trust in in silver and gold and things that are passing away and that ends in murder. And and we don't necessarily think along those lines, but that's exactly what happens as we m- double down more and more and more in our trust of things that don't matter until we have become so malformed, so um, disconnected from the way of Christ that we actually have become murderous and... and and we become a people who might actually kill a righteous man, uh, kill Jesus. Uh, that That's exactly what happened when the Son of God came in to the midst of human beings in all his perfection, in all his glory, in all his beauty. Uh, humanity looked at that and, and rejected it because we could not we could not connect with the the message that jesus brought we couldn't see it for the glory that it was and so we killed him and that's exactly the same process that james is pointing out as we put our trust in the way of the world we will we will we are are partnering with the same spirit that crucified jesus christ that's a big deal right okay and then he switches gears again and 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 I told you when we first started this whole this whole bible study that that James um kind of you know it's not necessarily one long thought process from beginning to end um but uh but and and so he's going to be doing these kind of um switches throughout because it's almost like proverbs where he's going to say something important and then say something else, and they aren't necessarily connected. So verse 7, Therefore, brothers, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, because the Lord's coming is near. Oh boy, this is a big one. This is such a big one. Um... uh, Walking out the Christian life is so difficult sometimes because uh, it's really hard to stay patient, um, to stay in the place where I'm putting my trust in, in God's process in me. Um, it's, it's really difficult. And I, 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 I say this rather often, but the, 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 You know, 75% of the things that I hear from God are, wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Uh, And I want to move, 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 move. And he's saying, no, wait, because patience is a really, really important part of this. This whole thing, following Jesus is about learning how to trust God. I can't say that enough. That's what this whole process is about that's what all these days and years and hours are for. You, my friends, are in a process of learning more and more over time how to trust in God, how deeply you can put your full weight upon him. And at the end of the day, like we said in the last, in, in the last little bit, it is those who have fully trusted in God that will be happy at the day of judgment it's those who have chosen to believe what jesus has told us to, to and to live their lives in the way that he has called us to live them these are the people who will be glad in the last day the people who will be uh who will rejoice right and I think of so many different situations in in my life where this advice is so important. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. So, you know, we begin to plant into our lives, the word of God, practicing our Christianity, prayer, prayer, reading the Bible, spending time with each other, putting in the work, putting in the work, little by little by little by little, day by day by day by day. And sometimes it feels like we're not moving at all. It feels like we're just spinning our wheels. We're getting nowhere. Um, but James is saying, trust this process. Trust This process that that the Lord knows what he's doing, and if we will continue to sow into the kingdom, or let God's word be sown into us, in however you want that metaphor to work, that the fruit of the earth will come. We will see it, we will see that God's work in us is, is, is good and is coming to fruition. We will be glad. Uh, we, we will rejoice, not just, you know, in this life, but in the next life. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the, there's a preacher named John Piper and, and I like some of the things he says and some of the things he says he and I would disagree about. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, But he uh, uh, one of the things that he says that I do agree with is I, I need to be I need to be investing in my life and investing in my relationship with God so that I will be happy not just today, but a million years from now. OK, so because as Dallas Willard says, you are uh, an eternal being with infinite potential in God's great universe, I, I've, I've said, I've read that line um, to you over and over. Um, you are an eternal being with infinite potential in God's great universe. So be patient with the process that is forming you to become like Christ, and be patient with the activity that is required to form you into his image because that's God's end game for you. That's why you were created. You were created to be formed into the image of Christ, that you would reflect the image of Christ into the world. That's who you are. And as you do that, more and more authority will be given to you because that is how it works in the kingdom. The kingdom, in the kingdom of God, authority is given Sorry, in the kingdom of God, authority is given to those who uh, uh, authority is given to those who uh, serve the most number of people. Jesus said, "The greatest in this kingdom is the servant of all." So, okay, great, that's that's super. Uh but that's the opposite of the way the world works, right? In our world, the person with the most authority is the person who has the most people serving them. Not the other way around. the person who's serving the most people is on is at the lowest. Uh, but that is not how the kingdom works. and and as we learn to put our trust in God's way, we will see that that when Jesus is at work in us, it will pay off in the end. It will pay off in the end. We will be glad, even if it isn't until the day that's to come. There's this idea that I've had, <clears throat> and it's not new by any stretch of the imagination, but it's new to me, that If we, as followers of Jesus, if our lives make sense without an eternal perspective, then there's something probably really wrong with that. Um, People should be looking at our lives and and they should be confused. (laughs) Does that make sense? People should look at our lives, yours and mine, and they should be confused. They should be like, "Why do they live that way? Why do they make the choices that they make? Uh, what? Why do they do the things that they do?" People should be looking at our lives, and they should be shocked at the choices that we've made. They should be, um, they they should be confused. By the things that we that we do and the things that we that we don't do. They should they should think of us as odd. This is this is why you know we've got uh, we've got Paul or is it Peter? You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, um, who have been called out of darkness and into glorious light you know you 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 should stand out this is why jesus talked about us as as a lamp that uh lights that should light the whole room so live your lives in such a way that the father receives glory this is we should it should be obvious it's sh- everyone should look at us and think we're weirdos uh isn't that great aren't you excited about that <laughs> i've spent most of my life people thinking i'm a weirdo so that's not really that uh, different but uh for me but um but uh they should because the way the world operates is opposite it's antithetical to the way that the kingdom operates and so when we live according to kingdom um principles up uh obeying kingdom practices and, and, and evincing uh, kingdom power, the, 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 the world should look at us and be shocked. <coughs> the world should look at us and they should be shocked at who we are and what we do, and why we do it. They should not, That they, they should truly not understand. Um, because we're waiting for the Lord. And if our lives make sense, without an understanding of our belief in the resurrection of the dead, of our belief in the final judgment of all things, our lives should be lived in the light of of our understanding that we are eternal beings with infinite potential in God's great universe, that we are a people who have already died with Christ and who are going to rise again. This is, this is who we are. You and I, we are people who have stepped from, from one life into the next life. We are as N.T. Wright would say, Jesus and the future people We're people living out the, the future kingdom in a present age this is who we are and so it should be it, it it should not make sense to the world why we live the way that we do and if they look at us and they say i totally understand that then then i think we're doing something wrong we live in the light of a truth that they do not understand which is why we won't make choices the way that got the way that they make choices all right i've spent a lot of time on that so let's Um, Let's talk about one more thing in in this. Be patient until the Lord's coming. Be patient with the process. Friends, there is something that it took me years and years to understand. And that is God almost always chooses process. And he almost never chooses instant gratification. God almost always chooses process, and he almost never chooses instant gratification. Now, you know and I know that there are times when people have looked at things that are going on in our lives, and they're saying, wow, God just did something big for you. And you're thinking, yes, but this has been 30 years coming, right? Does that make <laughs> sense? where people come along and they're like, wow, look at the beautiful things that God has done. And you're saying, you don't understand the journey I had to go through to get myself to this place. The times that I had to say yes to God, even though it didn't make sense, you don't understand the sacrifices that have gone in to this moment. You know, when people say, boy, you make it look easy. Um, That's a compliment that we give to people but i don't feel i a lot of times i it doesn't feel like a compliment um because uh, oh i may make it look easy but there's hours and hours and hours of practice and 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 uh and and investment <laughs> that have made it possible for this to be this easy uh you watch people play instruments you watch uh sports uh figures just do amazing things you watch uh, all all, uh, performers do beautiful incredible things all of those things took years and years and years of investment and patience and practice and God almost always chooses process and there's a million reasons for that I'm not going to go into all of those right now but I want you to hear me some of you are really, really ready to be done with process. It's like, how much longer am I going to be in process? And I want to say this to you. The longer you're in process, the more precious the outcome will be. The longer you're in the, the journey, the, the, the more important the, the destination is. Understand, God doesn't waste a thing. He doesn't waste time. He doesn't waste waste energy. He doesn't waste a thing. And, And every moment of pain and confusion and difficulty that you've been through, on the day, if never before that, but on the day that Jesus returns, we will be grateful for every one of those moments. And there may be a day between now and then where we will be grateful for every moment, but... Maybe not, but there is a day coming when the entirety of your Christian life to this point will make sense. And you will look at it and say, I'm so glad I trusted in God. Okay. That's it for that part. I hope you're still with me right now. Uh, Verse nine, brothers do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Once again, And and this is almost exactly what he said in an earlier chapter. Um, Do not complain or grumble about one another so that you will not be judged. If we begin to grumble against one another, we begin to uh, resent one another. We begin to... I don't know if I like that person. It's easy to do. Especially when you've known people for a long time. It is easy to hold a grudge. It's easy to complain. It's easy to grumble. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. Uh, James is saying that leads to judgment. What did Jesus say? Uh, Do not judge or you will be judged in the measure with which... You measured it to someone else; it will be measured to you. So, if we take on a judgmental spirit, um, uh, and, and and by that, I don't mean a demon that's judgmental that we're taking on. I just mean we become judgmental people. We become people who are well, blah, 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 you know. I don't know about them, but did you see the way they did that? You know, all of that. When we become critical of one another, um, that same spirit of criticism is going to be used against us. The Lord is going to look at our lives through the same lens. And not just the Lord, but the people around us. As we begin to elevate ourselves above others with a critical, nasty spirit, um, um, we're inviting judgment. There is something that happens in the invisible when we become critical uh, that it invites the accuser to come. Uh, I, I don't, I don't like to spend a lot of time talking about the about the enemy, about our invisible enemy, um, but he does exist. And there are certain things, my friends, that we can do that play directly into his hands. And one of those is if we take up the, the spirit of accusation. And again, when I, when I say that, I'm not talking about, oh, there's a spirit and that's a, a spirit of accusation. No. What I mean is when we become accusers when we become a people who point the finger and who's, who, who lay blame and who, and, and who make accusations against one another, <clears throat> we have left the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is, let me deal with the splinter in my eye. The way of the kingdom is, let me go the extra mile. The way of the kingdom is to forgive, because I have been forgiven. Um, the opposite of that is this judgmental and critical attitude that we that we take on so often of one another. And when we do that, we're inviting judgment from them, from the Lord. From the enemy, we invite the enemy's activity. We invite the enemy in. When we begin to agree with the accuser, the accuser comes in. Does that make sense? I hope it does. And I want to. I, I I want you to recognize that it's not appropriate for us. And then he says, "Look, the judge stands at the door, and Jesus is coming." And he will do the judging. And we don't have to. <laughs> he's we can wait on his judgment because he actually knows the whole story and we don't. We can wait on his judgment because he's way smarter than us. We can wait on his judgment and say, Lord, you know, and you will you will <clears throat> You will reward me appropriately and you will judge them appropriately and you will judge me appropriately. Lord help us. Uh, um, But Jesus will be fair. And and so we should not take up our, uh, we should not take up his role. He's going to do a lot better, do it a lot better than than we do. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome from the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So we can look at the prophets of old. He particularly names Job, who went through just an unbelievable amount of suffering and pain. Um, but on the other end of that was blessed with double um, because in the midst of it all he did not he did he he refused to accuse God um, for what he was going through he trusted in God all the way to the end even when his own wife said just curse God and die he didn't do it. Um, and he went through so, so much. I mean, he lost his children. He lost all of his wealth. He lost his physical health. Uh, he went through so, so, so much. Um, and, but, but he refused to stop trusting in God. He trusted in God all the way to the end. And, and we have to do the same. We don't know what God is up to. But we can trust that whatever he's up to, it is good We don't know what God is doing, but we can trust that what God is doing is he's doing out of love for you and for me. And I understand how difficult that is to 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 live out. Um, I I'm I'm not you know, I I haven't experienced some of the things that so many others, maybe people watching this right now have experienced. And so it's kind of easy for me to say that I recognize that. But at the same time, I I would speak to you out of the mouth of you know two thousand years of Christ followers who would have experienced all manner of ridiculous suffering and pain, and who have called Christ faithful and 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 been victorious in the end because they trusted in the faithfulness of God, because they trusted and let allowed Jesus to do the judging because they did not trust in the ways of this world, but they trusted in the things that God called them to do. This is also just an encouragement to read the Old Testament, which I think we should, obviously. Okay, uh, verse 12. Now above all, my brothers, above all, Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Your yes must be yes and your no must be no so that you won't fall under judgment. Um, Does this sound familiar? (laughs) Once again, James is purposefully teaching the teachings of Jesus. He is bringing them back and he's, you know, kind of reworking them in his own words. But these are things that Jesus taught us. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Do we believe what he taught us? That's a really important question, friends. So important. And I really hope that we can all say yes, we believe in what Jesus taught us because it's radically important. This is one of the things that Jesus taught us. Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Your yes must be yes and your no must be no. What does that mean? what does that mean um it just it means just simple honesty be who you are don't play the manipulative game of pretending don't uh, don't look for ways to get out of keeping your word that's a hard one S- do what you said you were going to do be who you say you are. Stand up and live a life of pure and simple, straightforward honesty. That's so radically important and so radically different from the culture from in which we live. My goodness, friends. Think about the world we live in and how litigious it is. And that means that they have a lot of lawsuits, right? Okay. over and over again, all around us, the world is constantly trying to trick us. The world is constantly trying to cause us to believe things that aren't actually true. Um, you know, the scams that are out there everywhere, there's constant, I mean, just re- scam after scam after scam. And and not even, I think James would go even further than, than don't scam people. Obviously he means that. But I think he would go even further and say, "Like, uh, <laughs> passive aggression is of the enemy." What is passive aggression? Um, passive aggression. Hmm, how can I how can I describe it best? Passive aggression is where you refuse to state your intentions outright but you you go in a roundabout way to try and manipulate someone into doing what it is that you want them to do it's like saying you know i mean in the most obvious kind of form is like if, if, if i'm carrying something heavy and then a friend of mine comes by and i'll be like don't help me, I'm fine, when I really would like someone to come and help me. You know, that's 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 the simplest uh, version of that. But we're really good, a lot of us, me included, are really good at trying to manipulate people without an honest expression of my needs, my wants, and my intentions. And it's of the enemy. Can I just say that to you? When we have needs, wants, and intentions, we should trust one another enough. Boy, this is so tough. We should trust one another enough to honestly express the need, the want, or the intention. So often we don't. And so often it leads to the destruction of what could have been wonderful relationships um trying to think of a good example of that <laughs> uh This, this thing is so often active in us that, that we, a lot of us, aren't even really in touch with what our desires are. Jesus, when he would meet with people, he would say, uh, what do you want from me? <laughs> I love that simple straightforwardness of Jesus. What can I do for you? You know, there wasn't any playing around and, and he wouldn't put up with people who would try and get him to do things in some kind of roundabout way. He wanted them to ask. He wanted them to be straightforward. He wanted them to state their request. Will you do this for me? Let's give each other that gift. When we don't, it causes enormous problems. I mean, enormous problems. Uh, when we have an expectation of someone else, and sometimes which this is this is hard to deal with, but sometimes our expectations of others are hidden even from ourselves. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> but it's real. Sometimes our expectations of others, we don't even realize we carry those expectations. and so <laughs> so we can't express them. Uh, but this is such a huge topic and I'm having such a hard time pulling together the strands of this. But have you ever been in a relationship with someone and then they disappointed you and, and it made you not want to be in a relationship with them anymore? Um, but you weren't even entirely sure why you were disappointed with them. Is Does that, that ever happened? Um, a lot of times that comes from our inability or our our uh, to to express our expectations of someone. And if I have never said to this person, like, you know, if I never said to my wife um, that I wanted her to throw me a birthday party for my birthday, it's we're nowhere near my birthday, so this isn't as specific. But if I really hoped that she did, and then she didn't throw me a birthday party. And I was mad at her because she didn't throw me a birthday party. This didn't ever actually happen. Okay, I'm just going to make that. But this is just the best way I can describe this to you. Imagine that I'm in a relationship with my wife. And I wanted a birthday party. And I never said to her, hey, let's, let's have a birthday party. I just kind of expected her. To throw me a birthday party, and then my birthday comes and goes. And maybe she acknowledges it. She says, Happy birthday, you know. Should even, you know, like buys me a gift or something. But I wanted a party and I'm and I'm mad at her because I didn't get a party. Um that's not okay. Does that make sense? I never said to her, hey, let's have a birthday party for me this year. Now Could she, out of her love for me, choose to arrange a party for my birthday? Of course she could. And that would be, I would receive that and that would be wonderful. But if I've never expressed to her a desire of mine that I wanted to have a birthday party, am I allowed to be angry with her or disappointed in her because she didn't do something I never asked her to do? No, I'm not. It's not fair. It's not fair to her to expect something from her that I never told her that I expected. Right. But we do this to each other all the time. We do this to each other regularly where we have expectations of one another. And then when they, when, when another person doesn't live up to those expectations, we're angry with them. We carry offense towards them. And, uh, but we don't, they never did, they didn't do anything wrong. It's really not fair that we carry offense towards them around this thing, which we never asked them to do. Does this make sense? All of this is connected with let your yes be yes and your no be no. All of it. Because in loving each other, we have to learn, we have to learn to express our expectations to one another, we have to learn to draw boundaries we have to be okay with so I, so and that's just step 1. So step 2 is i express an expectation or a need or a want. You know what? I would really love a birthday party and my wife says, "Honey, I love you, but we don't have the money to throw you a birthday party this year." Do i get to throw a fit <laughs> over that? No, i don't. You want to know why? Because i expressed it and and She has every right in the world to say, I'm not capable of that right now. Does this all make sense? And if we all were allowed to talk to each other in this way, our relationships would go much more beautifully. But the world doesn't work this way. And we usually don't work this way. We don't. Our yes, we almost never say yes. We usually hedge. We don't make commitments and we don't keep them. And our no, we don't ever want to say no because our no is a rejection. We worry that our no is a rejection for that person. And we don't trust them to stay in relationship with us if we say no to them. Even though that's what we mean. <laughs> I really, I'm saying no. Um, But I don't want to just say no. Because if I just say no, I'm going to offend you. So I'm going to use hints and tricks, et cetera, to say, to say no in a nicer way. The problem is my no isn't no. And if we love each other, we should be able to look at each other and say, no, I can't do that. And, and, and that be okay. You need to be able <laughs> to make commitments and keep them. And you need to be able to set boundaries and respect other people's boundaries. These are really important parts of being the kind of person who loves God and loves people. Okay, we need to wrap it up. I want to pray for you. <laughs> it's a lot today, especially that last part. I feel like we could talk about that for a really long time. Um, so maybe we will some other time. Father, hmm, Would you reveal to us by your Spirit everything that we've trusted in that's not worthy of our trust? Would you reveal to us by your Spirit all the ways that our trust in unworthy things have led us to make sinful choices? Father, would you teach us to be patient with your work and your activity in our lives? To put our trust in you. Even when we're in pain, even when we're confused. Father, would you teach us not to become critical and judgmental of one another? And Father, I ask that you would help us to let our yes be yes and our no be no. I pray all these things in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen and amen. Blessings, brothers and sisters. I'll see you next time.